The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hey everyone, Natalie Warner here, the President and Executive Director of Women in Agile Org. I wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. We're thrilled to have this as a platform to showcase the wisdom of our community. We'd love to get your help to amplify the reach of the series by asking you to go over to iTunes in order to rate and review us. After you're done, take a screenshot of your rating and review. Then post a screenshot to Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn and tag hashtag Women in Agile. If you do this, we'll not only reshare your post, but also add you to a monthly drawing to receive a Women in Agile goodie bag filled with WIA stickers and other treats. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. This is Leslie Morse here again, and I'm honored to be chatting with Dana James Edwards. Dana is an Agilist through and through, and she is leveraging that talent of hers in order to fully transform her career to focus solely on enabling companies to come to grips with what it takes to enable diversity and inclusion. And Dana, I'm just so excited to be talking to you today. Your joy and your exuberance is just outrageous. Like I feel it across the ocean. You are already making me laugh and smile to begin with. I was so thrilled to be asked when I got your Instagram message. I was like, what? Really? I was so Yes, excited. really. <laughs> so I can't believe it's actually happening. I'm thrilled. Excellent. Well, thank you for being here. Listen, let's cut to the chase because we could probably talk for two hours and we don't, Maybe we'll just do more episodes together. Who knows? <laughs> but let, let's get to it. So Dana, how did you find Agile or maybe did it find you? No, did it find me? Well, I found it. I started my career in technology in a graduate scheme. And the way the things worked back there is that it was in a technical team and it was rotational. So you got to do like little stints all over the place. So some software testing, some IT controls, like a whole mix of things. And then Agile got cool somewhere in the middle there, right? And everyone was doing it. And so then you had to find out more about it and people had to sign up to do the training. And I did. And then I realized that I had a little bit of a gift and that gift was being able to take something that was like super complex and that people were stressing out about and being able to explain it in a really simple way and to be able to demystify. So the agile training bit uh, was where I spent a lot more time and I focused even though I did some coaching with my colleagues on the ground and I actually was involved in projects that were working in an agile way, it just kind of happened. Fate, maybe? Yeah. You can give that I, as an option, but it could be one. Yeah, I, I support that. I totally support that. Like the, the universe brought you into the agile space. That's what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And what has that been like, right? Not only are you, right, started your career in technology as a female, right? That's a diversity ankle there. But then as a Black woman in Agile and technology, there, there's not a ton of you. And I wish there were more. 
So what has that been like? And what have you observed about the role of women as well as women of color as you've navigated your career? So Leslie, this is something I say all the time, and I don't mean it to sound flip. But when I think about my career in technology, I say to people, there was a time that I forgot that I was black because it mattered so much more that I was a woman. That's how I feel. Like somehow there was a period where being black took a back seat to being female. And that might sound like a shocking thing, but it seemed to matter so much more that I was a woman. You know, when you walk into a classroom, into a training room for the first time and everyone looks at you like you can't possibly be the trainer that that moment of is she or isn't she but I found that my male colleagues of color were not getting the same levels of scrutiny that I got but women were regardless of race so I legit I legitimately think that my journey into diversity and inclusion was more coming from the female perspective than the people of color perspective, legitimately. There was a period where I joined everything I could, women in STEM, women in tech. I am still uh, a member of the STEM Girls Club because that's important to me, just because that representation and being able to see other females in the business became so overwhelmingly important to me at that time in my life. And I love how you described it in your LinkedIn profile around, um, or maybe it was an email you sent me. I can't remember, but I saw it in, in writing that you've done around like this innate calling to change our world for future generations of women. Absolutely. And I still feel that today because as much as we may think that we have moved forward in this space, in some ways we really haven't. Just before we went into lockdown, I was doing some work with a team that is supposed to be leading, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to out them. They're supposed to be at the forefront of helping other people work in agile ways. And I was brought in to do some work with the team because the women were being like severely disrespected Mm. to the point where some of the men on the team invented this game where a woman would say something and that thing would be ignored and they would say the same thing like almost right after, and that thing would be heard. And I always say when the men start acknowledging that there is a problem, it's a big problem when the men are there and seeing it. But these women working as agile coaches, helping deliver for other clients themselves, were being put in the corner, were being put in the back seat, were being disrespected, were being overlooked for promotions, All of these things are still there and still happening. And it is everyone's job to change these things. But I feel like it is especially my job to help change these things. I just have this sensation of like the air. Like I just, I almost feel hollow inside because it's such, I think, an important reminder. So thank you, Dana, that it's like as much progress as we have made we have people in our sisterhood of women in Agile that are still dealing with exactly what you're talking about. 
Um, and so what, what was it, I'm curious, in that situation that created the awareness they needed to bring someone in to help them? I think there was a mass revolt is basically okay. what happened uh, that led to uh, me being called in to get uh, a bit of a neutral opinion and to be able to work alongside the team. There was just a wave, an uprising, men and women all coming together, wanting things to be better within the team, but realizing that things couldn't get better in the way that they were now. Right. You know? and I, I ask that because I, I, I really want to sort of give a give some space to like our listeners that identify like, oh, that's me. That's still happening to me. Like, what is it that I can do to potentially create the opportunity to affect change. What I loved about that, this particular story is that when I was speaking to people, so I did one-on-one -on -one chats with everyone first uh, before doing any group activity and people were armed with their stories and their examples. They knew when things were happening. They could tell me some of the stories were similar. People were speaking about uh, the same experience and so I think if you are in the situation you might be thinking is this in my mind or is this really happening and so taking stock is really important it might sound a little bit crazy but making notes of things and being able to speak to someone about it because I really think that things could have been ironed out sooner for this team had they spoken to each other but everyone was there wondering is it me am I the only one who noticed, but actually everyone was noticing. So uh, just a really quick example, they were looking at names of someone who could work really closely with the client. And all of the names suggested were male names, despite the fact that there were some of the women on the team who had great client relationships and were really strong. One of the names suggested was one of the most junior male people on the team but his name was put forward above woman, amazing woman with oodles of agile experience. And that was 2020. That is wow. this year, 2020. Wow. Well, <laughs> I, I know. I'm not I know. often left speechless. <laughs> I know. Wow. And this is why, right? you're changing the focus of your career to do nothing but diversity and inclusion work. Yes. But it wasn't an easy decision for you. It was not an easy decision because when I branched out on my own as Dana, the trainer, everyone was saying to me, Dana, you need to pick a specialization. You can't be a generalist. And I fought that so hard for so long for the last five years, because for me, picking like the soft skills, the professional skills side of things was turning my back on something that I had fought for. All of the qualifications that I have in Agile, I, I just could not throw them away. Yeah. And stepping away from being a woman in STEM, a woman in technology felt kind of painful to me. I couldn't do it. And so there was a time where the copy on my website read something like, yeah, I specialize in two things and here is the reason why. And no, I'm not going to pick one. And I literally, it, it, that's literally what it sounded like. 
And my Twitter bio said something like, I specialize in diversity and inclusion and agile. And if that sounds really weird to you, go to my website and read about why. Because well, there's, there's something actually, Dana, here about the Agile Manifesto that I'm just going to reflect back to you, right? If we think sure. about the very first line of the manifesto, we're uncovering better ways of, as I like to say it, delivering value by doing it ourselves and helping others do it too, yes. right? That same line, right? You are in here. That's why I wanted to talk about like you're an agilist through and through because you're learning and practicing agile, experiencing what it means to live through the diversity inclusion situations and working on that. Like in both of these worlds, you are right uncovering better ways by doing it yourself and helping others. Absolutely. So like it's your like. I don't see them in you as like the the agilist Dana and the diversity and inclusion Dana. Like it is one Dana that is the thing she is trying to create in the world. Absolutely. And the thing is, I don't think that I would be as strong as I am about things relating to diversity and inclusion if I didn't have that background in agile, right? Yeah. People come to me and they say, what do you think about this? Is it going to work? And I'm going to go, did we test it? Can we make a small prototype? Like yeah. <laughs> the hat is on all of the time. But I think that's part of the reason why people hire me. Because my brain <laughs> is like, I don't think you can stop thinking in no. that way after no. you've been doing it for so long. So it is completely blended. I, I, do, I don't think it will ever go away, but I do know that I need to take the opportunity to make things different. Yeah. And this all happened at Lean Agile Global Conference that was this year. So there was a little event called Women in Agile. It was a panel with women coming together and speaking a little bit about what they had experienced. And we were all talking about common things. And I was sitting there listening and I couldn't help getting involved, jumping in, you know, doing my part. And I was so passionate about the two. I thought, gosh, gosh, Dana, I think the time is here. The time has come. So I'm doing it. But I'm not giving up my woman in tech and woman in STEM and woman in agile. And we don't want to lose that you. <laughs> We don't want to lose you. No. The um, What I love is this is such a beautiful representation of really acknowledging, right? Like systems are always in a state of emergence and you are creating from the emergence in this world, not reacting to. Yes. And that is um, such a, a one feeling of joy I make up um, to to be courageous enough to make this choice in your career. And such a beautiful thing to be shining a spotlight on just as our world is living in a state of turmoil and in grief and isolation in so many ways. Um, what is it about this transition um, that you are grieving, like the setting aside of, and how are you working through that? 
So I think the I spend so much time thinking when I make this move, if I make this move, can I still be a STEM girls ambassador like I am now, right? Are they going to kick me out of STEM girls club? Uh, is our Agile conference is never going to invite me again. Leslie, you can attest to this. When I made the decision, I was already supposed to be booked for the podcast. And I wrote and I said, is it still okay that I come to the podcast? Even, you know, the groups that we belong to define us in a way. And I am just so grateful for everything that I have learned and for the women I've met and for the women whose stories I can tell and for the work that I've done and how it shaped me. I just, I think the grief was about, am I turning my back away from that? But I don't think I am. I think I'm just going to use those skills in a different way. Yes. I'm reminded of a recent episode I've did with Cheryl Hammond, where um, she had made a comment to me where she said, um, anymore, I almost don't even want to go after a job that has agile in the title. Mm. I believe we are at a very interesting point as the agile industry, where it is time for some of us to leave the nest and take all of this goodness and is um, off as it may be to use a infection metaphor here, but to take what we have cultivated and, and grown within the Agile community and go and infect other bodies of professionalism in other industries and other disciplines in ways that we we just go be agile in there versus consult them on it. Like it is an entirely different way of changing the world. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm going to steal that and Take use it. it going forward because yeah. that is literally what I want to do. I yeah. want to go and be agile in the pursuit of diversity, inclusion, and belonging. Yes. I want to do this yeah. in the most agile way that I possibly can. Yeah, that's right. What what do you dream about in that pursuit? Like, what does agility infecting the um the transforming world of diversity and inclusion? Given the right, all of the social justice stuff going on, right? There's such a spotlight on this work in in organizations and in individuals in a way that it, it just hasn't ever been before. What do you dream about in terms of bringing agility into that? So everyone wants to publish this amazing diversity and inclusion strategy, this massive document that's going to say how they do it. And I want them to go do some stuff. Okay. And it's okay if that stuff isn't perfect. And it's okay if you start really, really small and you build on little bits each time. Right. And it's also okay if you go and you ask the customers, in this case, the actual people within the organization or your customers who you interact with, what the best way of inclusion would look like, what would make them feel that they belong and then build that. It would be great if you go and get people's feedback as you implement little bits of strategy. It would be great if you showed people things before they were ready 
with them understanding and with you knowing that it's just a template and that yeah. that thing can get better and better and better. I would also really love it if we stopped trying to make everything perfect and treated everything as a draft, even, even ourselves. So I think people are so scared to speak yes. out about diversity and inclusion or to step up in the space because they're so worried about getting it wrong. Yeah. But what is wrong about saying this is an unfinished product myself that I'm still working on yeah. and it will get better and get better because I will learn things and I will get your feedback and I may and it may not be great because this is iteration one, but it's yes. going to get so much better over time. Yeah. That's the mindset that I would love people to bring to their diversity and inclusion journey. I I love that. I, I'm reminded of one of, I've got two favorite Brene Brown quotes, the second of which is, I'm not here to be right, I'm here to get it right. And there love is it. so much inherent agility in that. It's like, I'm just going to try something. And I think, Dana, you're right on. There is a paralysis of action. Absolutely. When it comes to diversity and inclusion right now, saying the wrong thing or saying it the wrong way for fear of what you see online when somebody does say something wrong mm -hmm. and then just the droves of people that take what you say and weaponize. It. And it's like the like shame is a real thing and fear is a real thing as people are going through their own journeys. And so that agility mindset, I think is so important here. I am curious your, your opinion on the idea of um, people doing work in this area and the aspect of performance. And when you talk about fear of action and wanting to be perfectionists versus like corporations and people doing the real work in authentic ways versus like the corporate propaganda versions of diversity and inclusion work. How do you navigate that part of it? So what was really interesting for me and for a friend as well who works in the space is that when the Black Lives Matter movement was on the uptick on the, on the swell, uh, she said to me, I have clients writing to me what do I, what do we say about this? She's in marketing. And she would reply, what do you mean? Do you mean, what do, are you going to do about this question mark? Right. Everyone was so worried about putting out the statement, right. About having something amazingly public that made them look good. I don't care about that. I want to know about what really lies underneath. Actually, it's unfair to say that I don't care about that because in the absence of any other information, I care that you at least acknowledge that you have a problem and that you're going to do some things about that. But I care more about your actions more than the statements that you will make. So when everything was happening around Black Lives Matter, I had to personally take a step back because it was very personal mm -hmm. to me. And I started feeling just really overwhelmed, really drained. My inbox was full of people saying, I want to do this, but I'm not sure this is the right thing and I'm going to do it. And what should I do? And it was flooding coming in. And at that point, I took a step back and I was looking at the companies that I work with. 
not just clients, uh, people who I offer training with and to. And I was thinking to myself, where do they stand on these things and how do I know where they stand? And the first step would be to look for a statement, something on Twitter, whatever. But actually, I didn't always find it there. I found it in the comments of individual employees on, on LinkedIn. I found it in the nature of the things that they shared. I found it in them reaching out to me to check and see that I was okay. I found it in the programs that they were establishing for their staff and in ways that was so much more meaningful than a statement. But there was one of these companies who did absolutely nothing. There was no statement. I... I liked them, so I was crazily stalking their senior leadership team, both on Instagram and on Twitter and on LinkedIn to see if they would individually say something because the company said nothing and there was radio silence, even though they have an office in the US. Right on the doorstep of where everything was happening, there was silence. And so I decided I can no longer be tied to a company like this. And when the feedback was given to them, they responded, we don't make political statements as standard. And this was their defense of why they hadn't said anything about it. And that in itself speaks volumes. And I think, okay, yes, while I would prefer a statement to silence, I want the statement to be true. Mm -hmm. And I want the statement to be mirrored by action and to be followed up by action. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. So important. As we move towards kind of wrapping up today, um, there's a there's a solemnness and a seriousness to the tone, right? Yes. O of where we are now. If um what are, what are the things you want to say to our women in Agile community and, and our allies that are listeners about um, getting in touch with taking their own personal action at, as we're continuing to navigate what it means around Black Lives Matter? Oh, okay. So I want to say two things. One's not related to Black Lives Matter. It's just to women in general who are listening to this. And I hope that's okay, Leslie. Yeah. Is it yeah. okay? So there is something that has been swimming around in my head uh, based on Lean Agile Global Conference, that group of women all talking together. And they said, something like, why do I feel that I always have to justify myself and say what my qualifications are and lay them out and be really overt with them in, able, in order to be taken seriously by a company, like in a training course? Why do I always have to do extra to, to get myself taken seriously? And there was a man, and I wish I could remember his name, on the session. And he said, why do you do that? People have paid this amount of money for you as a coach, as a consultant, as a trainer. And so they know what your value is and what would happen if you didn't. Because maybe your feeling that you have to is just on you. Oh, what like the happen? story we're telling ourselves is yes. that we have to say Absolutely. that. What would walk in if what would happen if you walked in and you just did it? Did it. 
and just that it, yeah. yeah that has been the most powerful thing that I've heard in quite some time and it has stuck with me and I keep thinking about it and I have tried my very best to stop doing that going forward yeah. and to walk in and just do and I'm yeah. starting to realize that some of that really was on me yeah I'm thinking about that um I'm reminded of the book um confidence code which what came out in maybe 2014 it's been years ago now yeah. um Caddy Kay and someone else co-wrote it but it was a great book and then Mika Brzezinski's know your value or know your worth I forget the name of the title of it both books that came out sort of in the same phrase that like maybe it's time for us to go grab those off our bookshelves again and dust them and, off and, and dust them off and take a look at them. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. As far as Black Lives Matter goes and as far as uh, stepping up and being an ally, I think if you want to do something, the first thing that you should do is be observant. I feel like there is a lot of stuff that's happening around us in the workplace and not not necessarily just racism, but discrimination in general. It is happening all around us and it's not good enough to not see. Yeah. We have to start seeing. We have to start paying attention and we have to start stepping up. Yeah. And I think that is the best first, first step. Pay yeah. attention, man. It yeah. stuff is happening and we need to be better and to to do better. Yeah, yeah. There and I'm not entirely sure I'm ready to have this come out of my mouth, but I'm gonna point the finger at us holistically as agilists. Do it. And because you you opened the door for discriminations, not just about race, it's happening in other places. Think about the way that we marginalize roles once we get into like early agile adoptions. And it's about doing agile right, not doing agile well necessarily. Oh, in like roles like quality assurance and people that have been classically trained business analysts, like, oh, we're just all on the team now. Yeah. Right. Um, even how things are evolving around um, marginalizing scrum masters. Oh, I'm an agile coach. You're just a scrum master. Scrum master. Mm -hmm. And having to grow our careers from team coach to program coach, portfolio coach, enterprise coach, and how that inadvertently marginalizes and discriminates mm -hmm. the true wisdom and talent of humans and how that's such an industrialist point of view. And we know better. We do. As agilists, we should be called forward. Like, there's been a history, and we have uncovered a million things that have allowed us to better deliver products and add value to organizations. But we, I believe we are being called now by society to be change agents in our world in a different way. And that means starting by putting the spotlight on us and what are the shadow aspects of our industry that are perpetuating systemic discrimination, e even in non-racial ways, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, and I still feel that as far as the community goes, maybe racism isn't the place to start. Maybe it's gender in yeah. this community. And I'm sorry if that sounds harsh and I know that there might be people who disagree with me, 
But what was really funny, well, not funny, haha, funny, strange, is that after I did this chat about diversity and inclusion in Agile, I had all these messages coming through telling me about the amazingly diverse teams they have in Agile in this organization, in this organization, in this organization. And all of the diversity that people were telling me about was race-based diversity. And when I took a step back and I looked at those teams again, and I looked for the woman, where were they? Yeah. And I think we have a really massive blind spot when it comes to that. And I think we need more allies in that space. So yes, all discrimination is an issue and it's something that we have to work on. But like I say to people, it's not like you get one discrimination cause that you can champion and that's it for the rest of your life, right? There isn't a quota, but I think in the agile space, there clearly is a problem. And when are we going to start saying there is and own it and do something about it. I don't think we are. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of doing things in relation to the Agile space, I almost feel like I'd be remiss if I just didn't get your opinion. And feel free to say, nope, I'm going to pass on this one. But the conversation that keeps bubbling up is what do we do about the phrase Scrum Master? Mm -hmm. What's your opinion? I would like no one to be a master of anything. And uh, I get what it means and I get where things are saying, but language is so important. It is really important. And I think where we see things that might need a little bit of a tweak, a little bit of a refresh, we should go ahead and do that. And even if I personally don't feel uncomfortable about it, there are people who are. And so my problem with the debate about the term Scrum Master is that there are lots of people saying, oh, I don't care about that. It's fine. And they're not necessarily the people who would be offended. Right. And so I get that a Scrum Master is a servant leader and all the things that are written. But we have to remember that lots of the times people who are encountering Agile, especially for the first time, do not know the background, do not know what the role is, do not understand, are going purely on the title. And I'm just saying that if other organizations and brands are making changes all around the world, maybe it's time for a little look at some of the ways that we work, at some of the things that we do. A really interesting thing, I don't know if you've heard about it, um, I saw on LinkedIn very recently, like, I don't know if I would call it a petition, maybe a movement is a better word for a revisiting of uh, agile principles and ways of working. Have you heard anything about this? I have not yet. I think <laughs> yet is the operative word. Okay, so it's it's called something like, oh, it's from Scott. Uh, I want to pronounce his surname correctly. I hope he doesn't smack me if I get it wrong. Scott Seavright uh, messaged me about it. A 20 year reflection on agile and agile ways of working yeah. since uh, in February 2021, uh, the origin be... trip. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's going to be 20 years of that. And he's been inviting people from all around the world to contribute to this. And I think it's a brilliant idea. You know, let's, what, what is wrong with taking an agile approach to 
working in an agile way, right? Yeah. Starting with us and and starting with ourselves. And I think also we may have gotten attached to certain terminology over time, but when things are pointed out to us, it would be great to reflect on them and maybe do some learning. So for myself, yeah. Leslie, a few weeks ago, I did not realize that Eskimo was a derogatory term. And there is a little book about Eskimos that I was reading to my kids every night, unrealizing, not getting the point. And then I came across it on Twitter and I did lots of reading about it. And that book has since been retired. So I wasn't personally affected by it, but I heard the words of those who were and I responded appropriately. At the very least, can we have the debate is what yes. I'm saying. Can yeah. we have some learning? Can we hear people's perspectives? And then at least take it from there. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's, it's the call for curiosity, right? Absolutely. Lean in and listen to diverse perspectives, practicing deep democracy and whatever the new phrase is or the new term is, it will emerge from the system. And I believe it will happen organically when the time is right and when the system is ready to embrace the change. Absolutely. But that won't happen if we don't create the space for the conversation. Absolutely. So let's yeah. have the conversation. And I'm yeah. so glad you asked. Good. I've been good, following good. it. And so I, <laughs> I'm glad I got to say my two cents with. Perfect. I'm, I'm glad you got to as well, Dana. So as we wrap up, right? Um, and it feels almost like such a hard left turn. Um, and so I apologize for being a little unskillful in that. Um, I, you, we've all, I, you've already brought so much forward that I personally find inspiring. I hope our listeners do too. But I love to ask all of our guests, like, what are you geeking out on? What are you doing for your own professional growth right now that somebody might add to their kind of learning and development backlog? Gosh, that's such a good question. I maybe should have prepped my answer better <laughs> for this one. So I am a social learner. That's the way that I I learn, which might sound really strange to someone who builds their whole career uh, doing virtual learning, doing in-person learning. I have been having and following and getting engaged in some amazing conversations on social media. And I think for me, there was a time where social media felt a little bit poisonous, like I'd go on there and be gritting my teeth, mm -hmm. like what will I see today? But I've done some changing up to who I follow and whose tweets and posts that I want to see. That means that I have been able to engage in some amazing learning and see some amazing viewpoints that have broadened my mind considerably. And it's not always people who I agree with 100%. Uh, it's people who can help me think better. So yeah. I'm in this whole period of rediscovering social media and social learning. And I hope that people join me in doing that as well. So there isn't like one particular thing that I'm geeking out on. I think it's the way of learning that it's, it's just happening for me right now. Yeah, I what I what I heard moved. what I heard in between the lines of that is almost a call to like Marie Kondo your your feet. Yes. <laughs> like if this if this poster doesn't bring you joy, then unfollow. Unfollow. <laughs> exactly. 
But but you also pointed to the shadow side and the downside of that is we do we don't only want to expose ourselves to the things we always agree with and further insulate ourselves and live in these bubbles. Like it is important to have diversity and range in there. So don't be too sharp exactly. in what you follow and unfollow. But um, there, there was that little like hidden gem in there, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> so I think that's, I, I think when I get my downtime now, what I am doing is engaging in these discussions on social yeah. media, following them, reading them. Sometimes they're about diversity and inclusion. Sometimes they're about agile. Sometimes they're about women in tech. Sometimes they're about filthy romance novels, whatever. I'm into it. I'm following them all and I'm commenting like a crazy person. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so with, with that final wisdom you want to share with people, final, let me, let me rephrase that. What is the final joy and shun, sunshine you want to warm everyone's heart with? <laughs> I just think if you are listening to this podcast, maybe you need a reminder that you're amazing at what you do and that you are called to the particular career that you are in at the moment for a reason and acknowledge those things about yourself to be true and own it and stand in that truth is what I want to say. And also be brave. If you're thinking about making a change, maybe doing something a little bit different, maybe something like what Leslie said, to change the world, go do that thing. We're all waiting to see what that thing's going to be. Dana, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Loved having you today. Um, such a gift this for this podcast. This was an amazing series. chat. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you listeners for tuning into this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It's brought to you as always from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to go tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. And you can always go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find additional inspiring podcast conversations. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.